Hello and welcome to Region Ahead, a podcast from SEMCOG, the Southeast Michigan Council of Governments. I'm Trevor Layton, and today's episode features a conversation I had with Amy McMillan, Director of Huron-Clinton Metro Parks, Kevin Vitrano, SEMCOG Manager of Economic and Community Vitality, and Tyler Cliffman, the SEMCOG planner who leads much of our work on parks and trails. It is a great time to talk about parks and recreation, and not only because brighter, warmer spring days have many of us out there enjoying them. Amy McMillan has just finished her first year as director of Huron-Clinton Metro Parks, so we are happy to have a chance to check in with her about where the Metro Parks are headed. Also, SEMCOG has just adopted its Parks and Recreation Plan for Southeast Michigan, which builds on years of coordination and collaboration among local, regional, state, and national parks providers. Welcome, Amy, Kevin, and Tyler, and thank you for being with us today. I'd like to start with you, Amy, if I could. Uh, If you could tell us a little bit about Huron-Clinton Metro Parks. I think you've been there a little bit over a year now. So what can you tell us about where, where the parks have been and where they're going? Sure. Well, I have been at the Metro Parks as the director a little over a year now. Um, I can give some kind of unique perspectives on where we've been because in 1988, I started my career um, in parks and recreation as an intern at then Metro Beach, which is Lake St. Clair. And to to see how the Metro Parks have grown and evolved to to meet the the changing needs of our communities and in our region has been really fascinating um, to me. And I'm just I'm, I'm so proud of the work that we do in, in the parks and, and continually amazed by the natural resources that we have, that we have gathered together um, for the, the citizens of the region and, and the entire state. I wonder if uh, back in, in 1988, when you were interning, that was one of the first days that I went to Metro Beach with my family. I can remember some fun, fun trips out there then. Um, so going out, um, thinking about the, the Metro Park system as a whole, what are what are some of the some of the other amenities that uh, people people are able to use the parks and anything you're particularly excited about highlighting? You know, we have 13 parks in our system and they cover a little over 25,000 acres. So if there is something that you want to do outdoors to connect to nature, if you want um, active recreation opportunities to to feel healthier and and to get fit, if you want opportunities to to create those family memories, those things of, of, um, I think at at Lake St. Clair, many people have this memory of the, the tot lot from years ago. The first time you play golf with a friend or a family member, those are things that you can see and do in the Metro Parks every day. We have spectacular trails, for example, in the Metro Parks. Two of our trails were just rated in the top five trails in southeastern Michigan, um, Kensington and Stony Creek. We have incredible nature centers. We have seven nature centers at our parks, and they are spectacular. Our interpretive staff is really second to none. If you are looking to understand the natural world around you and connect to what is going on um, with wildlife, there are hundreds of programs throughout the year, um, both at our nature centers and we take those programs on the road to schools. Um, The cycling in the Metro Parks, particularly at Kensington and um, Stony Creek is phenomenal. Um, Water access is incredible. Um, Lake Erie Metro Park, of course, is right on Lake Erie and we have a really great marina there. Lake St. Clair has the marina and and the beach, which is really iconic um, in southeastern Michigan. Um, the trailways that connect from park to park, Lower Huron, Willow, and Oakwoods, and the connections that we're forming with the Down River area are amazing. 
you could spend the entire summer just exploring the metro parks if you love to paddle and um that there's the Huron River flows entirely through the metro parks and kayaking, um, particularly I think in the, the Washtenaw area of the parks, Dexter, Delhi, um, Hudson Mills is incredible. And that's a pretty, that can be a pretty challenging part of the river. So if you are just getting started, we recommend you go out on one of our lakes, whether it's Kent Lake or, um, or at Stony Creek um, and get started there. We have disc golf courses, which are second to none. Seriously, we are the place that Southeastern Michigan comes to play. Okay, I'd like to go back um, to something you said a moment ago. Uh, you listed off a ton of great amenities that are available at the Metro Parks. Um, but I think one one thing for some people who may not have the experience of going out and, and seeing and doing all these different things with their families, they might not know about it. And I think that might be where the programs you were talking about come in. And I'm wondering if you might be able to share an example or two of, of some of the programs that you have to, to get people started in, in terms of using things at the park that they might not have done before. Sure. So one of the things I think is, you know, we are we are making this effort to do a better job in communicating with our our residents and in our our region, um, because we haven't necessarily done the, the greatest job at that. Um, if you go on our website, you will see a list of dozens and dozens of programs that are going on every single week. Um, if you come to one of our nature centers at one of our parks, we have information on programming that's going on there. You can give us a call. Um, the things that I think are always, um, and I'm, I'm a little biased because I love the outdoors and the wildlife is just so spectacular. So um, the things that are, are teaching kids about wildlife, we have programs um, that teach kids about growing their own food. And we have some hydroponic programs that go on in school. Um, 3M has helped um, sponsor a STEM program, STEM learning program for us. Our programs that go in schools and that are um, our field trips for schools that come to, to the parks are, are um, part of the curriculum of Southeastern Michigan or the state of Michigan, pardon me. So um, if you are a teacher, you're looking for that opportunity, we are going to help you meet those metrics for, for science, for um, you know, just getting the, the kids out and getting them connected. That's great, really connecting kids to the natural legacy of, of the place where they are. It's, it's phenomenal. And if you just, seriously, if you go out into to any of the parks, if you go to the boardwalks at Lake Erie or at Lake St. Clair or at Kensington, if you um, do the, um, the nature trails at Indian Springs or at Stony Creek, the, the wildlife you will see is just incredible. And if you are a birder, we have, like, we have I believe, 200 species of birds in the metro parks. And, you know, every day we're, we're lucky. My office is near Kensington. So I see osprey. I see bald eagles. I see the herons. Um, and um, one of the things that's always been really just fascinating to me is the number of people who come to the metro parks to photograph the wildlife. I cannot even begin to imagine the economic impact that our birding program has on camera shops in, in the southeastern Michigan area because all the, the lenses seem to be about six inches wide and three feet long. Um, so you, you no matter which of our 13 parks you, you start at, um, there are spectacular opportunities every single day of the year. Wow. So 13 amazing parks through the Huron-Clinton Metro Park system, um, but 
something that I've been learning more about recently uh, as SUNCOG's been been working with its uh, Parks and Recreation Task Force is that those 13 parks, while they are huge and they offer a lot of different recreation amenities, um, they're just part of the whole system in Southeast Michigan. So Tyler, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that, that greater system and how it feeds into the work of that task force on the recently adopted uh, Regional Parks and Recreation Plan. Yeah, so SEMCOG's been doing work related to parks for a long time. Uh, when we uh, did our green infrastructure vision, we first quantified just how much parkland there was out there. And when we looked at access to core services, that was looking at how accessible they were to where people are. Um, even our uh, non-motorized plan looks at the trails that connect them. Our water resources plan talks about the importance of our water assets and the recreation opportunities it provides. So it seemed time to tie all these pieces together and really look at how they are a part of a bigger system. So uh, we convened a Parks and Recreation Task Force a little over a year ago to uh, do just that, to see how all of these different pieces fit together as a regional system, whether that's the owners or managers of individual parks, local communities, um, or other partners that help support them as well. Things like schools, healthcare organizations. Um, it's it, There's a lot of pieces to this puzzle and um, it has more to do with how people see their parks. Um, they don't always know whether they're in a local park or a county park. They really see them as the system of opportunities. So we got this group together to look at just uh, just how that functions. And now that this group has has completed the, the first phase of its work, which is to actually create uh, and adopt this uh, regional parks plan through uh, through SEMCOG's executive committee. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what that means to have a regional plan. What does that mean for the different parks providers throughout the region? What, what can they use that plan for? By getting all these different people together, we were able to hear more about what are the common challenges that everyone faces and what are their priorities that they all have in common too. And uh, that boiled down to six regional policies that focus on a number of different topics. Um, and then we worked with the task force to identify actions to implement them. So for instance, one of the policies was to ensure that access to our parks are equitable for all people. Um, and we did a number of different data analyses and came up with other actions um, that people can do on their own communities to increase access to their parks. Okay, I'm interested in hearing a little bit more about that. Um, what did you actually learn when you, when you did, that, did that analysis when it, when it came to access to parks? What, what did you find when you really dug into that data? So we looked at it first from a transportation perspective. Um, we have a lot of data about that, and we're able to see that um, just how many people live within proximity to their parks based on walking, biking, driving. Um, we found that around 40% of people are within a 10-minute walk to a park, um, and that's usually used as a metric or a, a goal for many communities that they want to provide that type of access to. Uh, it just promotes the quality of life in their communities. People uh, who live within a 10-minute walk to a park tend to use them a lot more often. They tend to be more active, more engaged in their communities. Um, and so we were able to see just where that is possible in our region and also where there are gaps to maybe think about other ways to connect people to those opportunities. Um, and so if about 40% of people are within a walk to a park, um, we also looked at biking, which expanded it hugely. So there's uh, 
from 40% of people living within a 10-minute walk, almost 90% of people are within a 10-minute bike ride. So that just really shows the importance of connecting our parks with biking infrastructure and other other things as well. Wow. So Kevin, I know you are a big part of the work that SEMCOG does when it comes to access to our parks. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to tell us about what, what access actually means and, and what working on it means? Jobs, whatever that destination is, we're really looking at travel time. How long does it take, um, regardless of mode, to reach that final destination? Um, whether it's, as Tyler mentioned, walking, biking, driving, or by transit. Um, in this study, we were really excited to be able to not only identify accessibility or access to parks, but looking at the amenities. Um, within the Parks and Recreation Plan, we're looking at amenities from your playgrounds to splash pads to pickleball courts. Each one is appealing to different um, segments of our population. Um, it may really appeal to families that have young children. What are the amenities that they're looking for in a region? Or um, if you're um, a senior or um, aging in our region, what are those amenities and how are you likely to reach them? So by looking at not only our overall population, as, as Tyler mentioned, 40% um, are within a 10 minute walk to any park. Um, we really looked at what is the walking access for um, families with children or households with seniors, as well as households in poverty and households that are transit dependent. Really looking at to make sure that regionally we are meeting the needs of our entire um, population. And Amy, what can you tell us about how Metro Parks are, are thinking about and responding to, to these types of needs, things like access? One of the, the ways that we are really concentrating our, our energy right now is the, the physical access within the parks themselves. Um, we have, we've, we've been spending a lot of time evaluating how physically accessible the parks are, where there are opportunities to improve access. We've set some, some goals for ourselves to um, for example, make certain that uh, um, at least a mile loop of our nature trails are available to to um, for people who have access issues, whether they're pushing a stroller or in a wheelchair. So the the um, the trail itself is is even and and wide enough for folks to to pass and and meets those ADA standards. This. In, in April, we just submitted several grants to the DNR that also focus on, on access, um, primarily for boating access with paddling, kayaks, and, and um, those will be considered sometime later this year. So we're looking to, to improve accessibility at that level. Um, we also think that access to information about the parks is a really critical link to to providing that opportunity for everyone. And so um, we are rolling out a, a new marketing plan in the next couple of, of weeks. We have a, a new um, marketing initiative and, and branding initiative that, that goes with that. We want people to be able to, um, people from everywhere throughout Southeastern Michigan to be able to see themselves in our parks. And, and part of that is the images that we rep, that we present that, that are representative of all of us who live in Southeastern Michigan as well. So we look at access in a number of, of different ways and we wouldn't want to, to leave that, that access about just knowing um, about the programs and the facilities that exist out of our, our overall thinking. Right. So it's not just about can I physically get to that park, but it's about understanding is that park for me? Exactly. Um, is that park for me? What does it offer for me? Will I be welcome 
in that park are all really, I think, critical influencers in terms of people being able to utilize a park system. Okay. So if we could, I'd like to shift gears a little bit now and talk about what what parks and, and recreation sort of mean for us on the regional level when it comes to our economy. And so not just our economy when it comes to things like jobs, but just any aspect that, that parks and recreation really bring into what makes our communities thrive and what makes our, our whole region thrive. Tyler, could you tell us anything about that? One of the things when you ask people about what they like, about where they live, parks are usually at the top of the list. It's a huge community asset that um, just says a lot about the quality of life in our communities. And that alone is a big draw for people who uh, want to live here, want to maybe move here, or even people who want to visit here. Parks bring in a lot of people for tourism opportunities and trails that help connect them and give them new experiences with our natural resources as well. Um, And there's different initiatives around that that do look from the park towards the community. So we hear about trail towns being developed, towns that are really embracing these assets and building up their reputations based on their parks and trails and their natural features. I'm really glad you brought up trails um, because I think that we, we tend to think about parks a lot, but, but trails are really almost like the um, the veins that connect the, the network of our, our whole parks system, if, if we thought of it as a circulatory system throughout the region. And yeah. Oh, I was just going to take a, a quick um, trip back to the, the economic impact of, of parks. We are, um, the Metro Parks are in the process of working with the Trust for Public Land to do an economic value study of the Metro Parks. So it will look at things like the economic impact um, directly in terms of tourism. It will look at the, the impact on property values and measure that. It will look at things like the, um, the impact on air quality that parks provide and how that influences health and wellness and healthcare costs throughout the region. So it is a, a really, um, it's a really big issue um, that is certainly quality of life is right at the front of that, but there are really great numbers to, to back that up and to, to encourage the continued investment in outdoor recreation in, in the region. So something that Tyler mentioned was that um, people want to live close to parks. Um, the the reality and the perception that there are quality parks nearby can have a real impact on property values, which I would think would be something that would be of real interest to local governments. Are you hearing any interest from your neighbors when it comes to the communities that sort of surround the metro parks? We have heard from a number of our neighboring communities that they are really anxious to see that study as soon as it's it's done because it's a great way of of putting those numbers together. Because I think in in all of our communities, and I've worked in townships and cities and, and counties before coming to the metro parks, um, we talk about the, the you know how we assign our tax dollars right to the work that we do, and everyone has a clear understanding of the impact of public safety on communities and the value of investing in that. And um, I think the better job that we do in making the case for investment in parks and recreation opportunities for those outdoor opportunities, um, the better opportunities we are able to provide for our residents and the better incentives those those parks, those recreation programs become to draw people to our region and to keep people in our region as well. We talk about the you know, the, the gap of people who, who grow up in Michigan and leave Michigan and being able to really connect them to those extraordinary resources, which in Michigan really are second to none, um, is an important part of that, that overall strategy. 
Absolutely. One one thing we, we hear about and we talk about a lot at SEMCOG is the need for investing in ourselves as a region. And so what you're saying about kind of doing this study and conveying the need and the value of actually having these parks and resources be the best that they can be is really something that just ends up being something that pays off for everyone, whether or not they have an interest in one particular amenity or not. It's the greater picture that really matters. I agree. And I think a lot of times people get uncomfortable of, oh, well, can you really assign a value to that memory or that that acreage, that, um, that stewardship and that preservation? Um, and should we have to? But, the, but yes, you can. You absolutely can. And I would say that you do have a responsibility of doing that to be able to preserve those assets and to continue to build that stewardship over generations. Okay. And so one of the things that we know about about building something like stewardship across generations is it requires a, a decent amount of collaboration. And that's something, again, that, that we think about a lot at SEMCOG. And I'm wondering if uh, in your time with Metro Parks, you've been able to, to uncover uh, or discover any, any really valuable collaborative relationships that are making a difference. We are really extraordinarily lucky at the Metro Parks. We have an active and engaged volunteer base that, that dedicates thousands of hours a year. We have one volunteer, um, for example, at Hudson Mills that has eradicated the, um, the garlic mustard population at Hudson Mills Metro Park. Wow. Um, we have corporate groups that are, are really great sponsors. And we have been working over the last year and working going forward to, to formalize some of our partnership agreements. Um, we just signed a partnership agreement with the City of Detroit Parks and Recreation Department, for example. Um, we were going to help um, remove some invasive species from the from Rouge Park and to um, to do a prescribed burn on the the prairie. So we want to not just welcome people into the metro parks to help us, um, which we appreciate beyond words, but also see where we can help leverage um, some of our resources and our expertise um, directly in communities to to address that stewardship in in the biggest possible sense in southeastern Michigan. Wow. So, uh, Kevin, what else are we seeing uh, with other parks providers and communities throughout Southeast Michigan when it comes to collaborative relationships and, and benefits uh, that come from those? We are also in the midst of developing a bicycle pedestrian travel plan. Um, as Tyler mentioned earlier, um, the connections that we make between our parks, how people reach them is, uh, is vitally important. Um, we can measure um, how long it would take someone to walk or bike to a park or a destination, but ensuring that the infrastructure that is currently on our roadways and adjacent to our roadways is suitable for people to walk and bike is vitally important. Um, you mentioned earlier about, I think it's a great analogy of um, the human body and the veins and the connection. Um, we also look at our trails as being um, linear parks, um, that people get out and enjoy them. And the idea that Tyler mentioned earlier about trail towns is, is a really important one, that we know people want to, to want to spend time in nature. And the way that our trails and our parks deliver that is, is important for attracting new residents, for keeping current residents and families here. And through both the Parks and Recreation Task Force and the, the ongoing um, Bicycle and Pedestrian Task Force, we're bringing together stakeholders from across the region. This is you know, townships, our cities, our villages, as well as our counties. And 
private and public sectors, whether that's our hospitals or healthcare providers, because we all see it as how we provide these amenities, how we provide the infrastructure for people to get out, to enjoy the region, to live a healthier lifestyle, to just get out. And it doesn't always need to be an active activity. It could just be watching, as, as Amy mentioned earlier, our, our birding population, people want to be connected to nature. And the, the, both these um, initiatives are really get, bringing together a widespread amount of stakeholders and participants in, in the region. So Tyler, you travel all over the region talking to parks leaders, community leaders, stakeholders. And what are some of the things that collaboration uh, does for these folks when they're thinking about how to Im improve their own parks, as well as how to make our, our regional park system something that we can all be proud of? Well, I think, as Amy mentioned, bringing different people together just builds capacity overall. It, different entities have different abilities and different focuses, and that when they all work together, they're all going in the same direction. Um, it brings everybody up, and it makes it makes our resources that much better for everybody. Um, and one of the things that we're really glad to see, um, this is gets to the basis of a lot of the work that we do here. And um, we were able to provide grants recently for communities that are doing multi-community planning efforts. These are really good examples of communities that have the same goals, but they need to work together to connect them. So um, they're funding projects like trails. We're looking at an entire uh, trail study for St. Clair County, how, the, how what's there connects and where there are gaps and how to fill them in. Friends of the Rouge River is looking at uh, developing a water trail there um, that connects, I think, 13 different communities along its path. So getting all of those communities together and helping them support their planning work um, is something that we're really happy to be able to do and see the results of. Okay, so a lot of exciting things happening for, for parks throughout the region. Is there anything else we should we should know about parks, trails, the metro parks that we haven't covered so far? I think we've covered a lot um, today and I appreciate the opportunity to, to share that information with you. Um, you know, the best way to, to connect, the best way to learn is to get out into the parks and um, spring appears to be here to, to stay and summer won't be far behind. So this is this is absolutely the best time of year to, to be outdoors in Michigan. You know, feel visit our website, give us a call, um, come to the parks. We will be really happy to see you there. And SEMCOG has a lot of resources to learn about what's out there too. Um, our Southeast Michigan Park Finder app has all of the region's parks on there, more than 2,600 of them, and you can search them by anything you want to do, whether you're looking for a paddling launch, a beach, a basketball court, um, even you can find parks with restrooms along a trail route. There's a lot of information there and you can get it all on your phone with that app. Um, we also have the Southeast Michigan Trail Explorer that lets you preview some of our trails before you get out there, getting a sense of uh, what that experience is going to be like, whether that's on the water or on the land. So a lot of really exciting tools to help understand more about our regional park system. This has been SEMCOG's Region Ahead. Thanks for joining us as we consider the important issues that affect Southeast Michigan. You can learn more about the Parks and Recreation Plan for Southeast Michigan at semcog.org, as well as more about Southeast Michigan Park Finder and Trail Explorer. Learn more about the Huron-Clinton Metro Parks at metroparks.com. Thanks to Amy McMillan, Kevin Vitrano, and Tyler Cliffman for joining us. And thank you again for listening.